right, everybody. Welcome to this week's Learning the Tropes. I'm Aaron, And I'm Clayton. And I'm the romance novel veteran. And I'm the virgin. And welcome to our episode, our podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so, how's it going, Clayton? Good. Good. How are you doing? Good. Um, so, we read a book this week. We read Luck of the Draw by Kate Claiborne. The golden brown skin on his corded forearms, pebbling with the chill of the early morning. When he'd finally pulled on his thermal and marched to the door, a grumbled, hang on, in his dark, scratchy morning voice. I'd turned my head to press my face against the pillow, to press my knees together in shocked, frustrated longing. It's not that I hadn't known I was attracted to him, but in the early morning fog of sleep, I hadn't yet remembered why I shouldn't be. And this was a wreck. And it was a wreck. From Sarah. And now this isn't the Sarah that um, Clayton is dead to. So hopefully this Sarah is listening. I was dead to the other Sarah because I did not like St. Vincent, correct? Yeah. I need to keep track of people who are upset at me okay. and why. Just put just to write it in your journal every night? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's part of my rehabilitation. <laughs> but it's part you- of my program. <laughs> I just love that there would be a program that just like just make sure that you never forget the people who hold grudges against you, no matter how minor. Oh, yeah. No. Keep track of. Yeah. Grudges. Yeah. Either grudges I have or grudges people have against you. You just have a grudge book. Mm hmm. (laughs) And I have one side is grudges I have against Mm -hmm. people and the other side is grudges people have against me. And sometimes there there's crossover, which is good. Which is which is more. I'm going to guess. Oh, me having grudges against yeah, people. Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> I have no grudge against Sarah. No. Yeah. She's lovely. Yeah, she seems lovely. Absolutely. She's great. So this Sarah, Sarah H., uh, wrote in, love, love, love your podcast. I just started reading romance this year and cannot get enough. Your podcast has been a great introduction to authors and, of course, all the various tropes in this genre. As I listen to the podcast, I can't help but think you'd love the Chance of a Lifetime series by Kate Claiborne. My absolute favorite is the second book in the series, Luck of the Draw. It has one of the best contemporary grovel scenes ever and an emotionally constipated hero, oh, Aiden. Also, it's so hard to do a realistic fake engagement in contemporary romance, but this book nails the trope. Kate has gotten some really great press in the New York Times, WAPO, and Oprah, and deservedly so. I would love to hear you discuss one of her books. They are so smart and funny. Um, And then I wrote back and said, I have been dying to read this series, and I'm so happy to get a chance to. Because we try to do mostly recommendations, Mm -hmm. because we have so many. And, you know, for a long time, they were reading a book a week. And so that was a lot. So there wasn't a lot of room for me to then, like, do other reading. So whenever someone recommends a book that I already wanted to read, I'm like, oh, bonus. Excellent. I don't have to feel guilty about this one. Um, so I wrote back to her all that. And then she said, yay, these are these were my very first romance novels I read. So they have a special place in my heart. I lost my romance virginity to Kate Claiborne. Uh, after getting your email, I had to go read the series and luck of the draw is still my favorite. Hoping that you read that one for the podcast, though, I'm predicting Clayton will not like the cover. A lot of interesting things there. Mm-hmm. I'm very happy that Kate Claiborne picked your cherry. Mm-hmm. That's very cool. But so this book, it looks like came out in 2018. So then Sarah H. very recently, I'm assuming, became a romance reader. Yeah, she said Am just I to this assume year. That? Yeah. So that's awesome. Welcome. Welcome. We're in the same kind of boat, which mm-hmm. is great. I love that um, this is a podcast for veterans and virgins. Mm-hmm. So it's good to have both sides here, which I'm very excited about. Yeah. Now, um, let's just judge this cover then. Yeah. It if seems like you were prompted. I was prompted. And I'm going to say, I like this cover. You do? Yes. Now, why do you think Sarah H. assumed that I didn't like this cover? I have a theory, but what is your theory? I don't know. I mean, it does look a little bit like a stock photo sort of a thing, but... No, I think it's a good cover, too. I have no issue with it. What do you think it'll be? I think, and I think this is something that we've actually gotten criticized about a little. No, I don't want to say criticized, but we've, we've, people commented on this. I think Sarah H. thinks that this cover is too down home. Down home? Down home and a little bit too middle of the country. 
Right. Oh, we're getting a lot of blowback. Yes, we're getting a lot of blowback about our our uh, complete disregard for the center <laughs> of the country. Our coastal elitism. <laughs> yes. Um, which I get, I understand, and I think I have responded on the. Sorry. What are you doing over there? <laughs> I'm fixing my belt. Okay, it's very loud. <laughs> I'm done. It's done. <laughs> I've uh, I, I I responded on the on the Facebook uh, group mm-hmm. about this, and I do think there is, and I understand why because we don't have just listeners in in you know on the coast. We don't really have any. I don't have anything really against Middle America at all. My thing is that living in New York City. I have uh, envy for wide open space. I have envy for uh, having living spaces that aren't the size of a closet. So I think the only thing I have living in New York City is my faux coastal elitism because I, I'm from Pennsylvania. Right? So, I mean, I'm from Pennsylvania. That's, that's where I come from. My family's there. My parents live in South Carolina. So they weren't raised there, but they live there now. So I'm in touch with the rest of the country. Mm-hmm. It's just a good amount of fun. We're joking around. But if we are offending people, we don't want to offend people and how and where they live and how they live no. to each their own. Everybody deserves love. I hope there's love in every, you know, state in this union. Uh, so I just wanted to say that. Um, but we will, like I said on the Facebook page, be focusing a lot of our ire towards Vermont. Yes. Because um, they've earned it. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, that's that's more of an Aaron thing. But I listen... <laughs> Part of friendship is disliking the people that your friends dislike. That's mm-hmm. just the case. So we're going to lay off on the Midwest and we're going to focus all that on Vermont. So unless Vermont wants to start listening because Vermont has fallen off. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Maybe it's because you're from New Hampshire. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying it's oh, your fault. Oh, and I'm, I'm alienating saying, people? I, I don't, maybe, maybe. Fine. I don't have a, I don't have a dog in this, in this <laughs> Keep race. Keep walking, Vermont. Yeah. Keep walking. I don't I'm have fine. a cock in this fight. <laughs> I mean, it is easy to just get sort of focused on um, the coast, and that's where we live. Uh, and obviously, we don't want to offend anyone. It's all, like, good ribbing. But I understand how I bet if you do live in the center of the country, you're kind of like, lay off me, man. It's yeah. not cool. And the podcast is about love, so we definitely mm-hmm. want to spread love. And if it's making people, you know, upset with us, it's not worth it. Yeah. So, going back to the cover, I like this cover. I think... Uh, this is supposed to be Zoe, and I think she looks very cute on the cover. Mm-hmm. I like the I like this kind of uh, you know down home look. I, I, that's something that I uh, am kind of attracted to. You know, Fixer Upper, right? That show, Fixer Upper. Yeah, with, like, the Gaines. Chip, yeah, the Gaines. I kind of had a crush on Joanna Gaines or whatever hey. her name is, you or whatever her name is. Like you don't know. Yeah, yeah, like you have you don't write like Clayton Gaines on everything. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I just I had a crush on her. I have a crush on her. So I think that's kind of like that's reminds me a little bit of that kind of aesthetic. You have like a chip vibe to you. Yeah, a little bit, I guess. We could sneak you in. You're not as goofy as he is. He's very goofy. I can I can be goofy, but um, you know, I try to be a little bit more sophisticated. <laughs> How's it going? Not good. Not good. Um, everyone has a crush on Joanna Gaines too, though. Like she's gorgeous. Ship lap. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Sarah, sorry to disappoint, but I do like this cover. Mm-hmm. What do you think of this cover, Erin? I like it, too. I think it's fine. I think it does the job. I We've been talking about how there's been this, like, movement away from, I feel like more and more contemporary romances are starting to have, like, cartoon covers, which, you know, I don't love. I'm just going to say. Uh, do you think it's a act of them trying to move away from romance and all those old tropes of having hot people on the cover and stuff like that. Is it a way to make their books seem a little bit more mainstream? Yeah. I think it's a way to try to like sneak them in. Cause if you look at like, you know, certain bookstores, the only romances they carry are the ones with the cartoon covers. And it just is a little bit like, mm-hmm. you know, it just, I just don't like the idea of having to hide behind it. Like, I guess, you know, whatever you want to do for your cover or if you have a cartoon cover that you love, I'm sure it's gorgeous. I'm not like I don't want to 
take away anything from anybody. But I do feel like this movement towards it, it just seems to be a little bit like, oh, no, see, this is like a more palatable and you don't have to be embarrassed about reading this on the subway and, you know, having this around your house and everything, which is okay. I mean, if it gets more people reading romance and I'm into it, that's great. But it is I, – I don't like that it – it feels like you have to hide it. Yeah. And then also they read it and in some of these there's explicit sex and then isn't that surprising to somebody? Too? I think I think there's a lot of people who are surprised by it. Because it's so funny that we live in a world now where having an actual person on a cover, uh people are kind of ashamed of that, but they'd rather read a book with a cartoon drawing on the cover. Right. Seems kind of infantilizing to me but i exactly i I don't know that's just my opinion uh and that's no again no disrespect to the authors that have those because we've read books that have had cartoons on the covers and really liked them that well that's the thing too i think it's overly infantilizing i think there are definitely books to have like a cute um a cute cartoon cover or something that is like sort of we're showing you what's inside. Mm-hmm. And then I think there are other books where it's like, you know, romance can be dark or romance can be a little bit heavy. And so you're still reading these like cartoon covers and it's, I don't know. I don't love it. Anyway, yeah. this is not a cartoon cover, which no. I do appreciate. So talking about the substance of the books in like a real quick 30 seconds, if you haven't read this book, what happens in this book? Okay. So this book is about our heroine, Zoe and our hero Aiden and it is a fake engagement because Aiden wants to buy a campground a campground he used to go to when he was a kid with his family and his now deceased brother and he needs to make it look like he has a wife and he is somebody who is stable so he he asked Zoe who is the woman who was the lawyer for the uh, pharmaceutical company that his drug-addicted brother took the drugs of and passed away, and she was the one who negotiated the payout. So she has this whole thing where she won the lottery. She won this money, quit her job, and felt aimless, so she was going around trying to apologize to people she felt like she wronged. So she had a guilt jar. And Aiden and his well, his family was in the guilt jar. So she shows up at the old house of the family, and Aiden lives there now because the parents have moved to Florida. They have an interaction. She faints. He's an EMT, wakes her up and says, marry me. And then it's them having to deal with pretending at this camp because it's this six-week thing where the owners of the camp are selling it, but they want to try out uh, – some of the people who want to buy it and they have to give presentations, these couples. And so they have to work together to do this presentation and they fall in love. Spoiler alert. (laughs) That was a lot more confusing. That was, that was quite a ride. It was, but it didn't feel confusing as you were saying it. It, Well, no, as I was reading it, it didn't feel as convoluted as it sounded when I explained it. I think there's a lot of things going on, right? There's the winning the lottery. There's the quitting the job. There's the payout. There's the, hey, you got to pretend to be my my uh, fiance. We've got this presentation. <laughs> but it flows. The book actually flows really well. Yeah. What did you think of it? I liked it a lot. But I will say, at first, I did not. No? It's not that I didn't like the book or the writing. I thought the writing was very good. I didn't like the characters. I thought Zoe was like... She did seem like a lawyer who won the lottery and was, oh, I want to go on this trip, but I can't plan it, blah, 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 being like, oh, I'm feeling bad for you. And then Aiden <laughs> seemed like a real stick up the ass, uh, just jerk, even though I know he's suffered a loss, I still felt like, why does does he have to be this mean? Doesn't he understand that this is her job and we live in a society where companies run our lives? So there's got to be somebody that is the liaison between. That's what lawyers do. They deal with huge companies and they stomp on the little guy. That's just like what you do when you're a lawyer, unless you want to do pro bono and then you're going to live on the street. So I felt like there wasn't any sympathy. He didn't have sympathy for her. So I was like, what is this going to be? But you know what? Kate, you got me because that was the point. 
that's the point. You're supposed to not really see their sides until they see each other sides. And when that happened, I was so in. Yeah. What'd you think? I loved it too. I thought Aiden was super sexy. The sex was very good. Hot sex. Yes. The first time they have sex is extremely hot. Yes. We need more bunk bed sex. Yes. What is it about bunk bed sex that you like? Is it the fact (laughs) that it is a place where, uh, you know, you grew up and so having sex there is like a taboo thing or is it the like closed quarters or the small, like what is the aspect that you like about it? I think it's the closed quarters part. Okay. That's fun. Yeah. Well, you like that whole thing of, oh no, we got to share a space. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime. Yeah. Like, oh, there's only one bed, even though it seems like there was like a shit ton of beds in this place. But they wanted to share. No, but they shared the bed and they're all like rickety. Did you ever go to camp growing up? I went to soccer camp Mm -hmm. and we would stay usually in college dorms. Oh. Yeah. Fancy. Because they would be at, uh, this college was fancy. <laughs> Slippery Rock University. <laughs> Slippery Rock. Yeah, it's called Slippery Rock, yeah. We used to go to camp there, uh, like soccer camp, and we would share like the dorm rooms. Oh. And even then I was like, wow, these are small. As a child. So I couldn't, I, I, I was thinking when I went to college, I was like, wow, these, this is going to be tough for me, mm-hmm. living in such a small space. It was. <laughs> and then you but, moved to New York and it just got smaller and smaller. I know. But I moved off campus pretty early, so it wasn't. Yeah. I think I was in the dorms for like one year, my freshman year, and that was it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think bunk beds. I mean, that kind of thing, like, I, I find that to be sexy, too. Also, how she described him is just like so broad and big and everything. And it's just like, yeah, mm-hmm. it's sexy. So did you think Aiden was sexy from the jump? Mm. Yeah. Because wasn't he just a little bit too... I feel like she described him as being attractive. So I was like, just like glimmered by how attractive he was that I was sort of like, it's fine. He's going to come around. We can't keep this shit up. He's too hot not to (laughs) be somebody that I want to like. Have sex with. I'm not going to delay it. I'm yeah, I'm in. I want to fuck him now. But I no, I think at the beginning, too, he was just like a quiet guy. And I just feel like I grew up with a lot of just like really quiet guys that it didn't really throw me off as much i was just sort of like oh yeah he's um he's uh emotionally constipated he's not talking about himself or his feelings and i was just like yeah it doesn't that wear on you in the long run when you're with somebody like that who cannot vocalize their feeling even though he got better at it at the beginning i was really frustrated with aiden yeah uh yeah if he had stayed that way, no, I think I would have not liked him. Like, I don't like that for too long. But I think if you're saying at the beginning, I was like, yeah, I was into him from the first from the jump. Well, there was, I think, the point where, see, what I really liked about this book was you see Aiden, who had a tragedy where his brother died of an overdose. I mean, he he took medicine to try and save his life, but he was an addict and he was always always in trouble he was the actual okay so there is a revelation in this book that blew my mind a little bit while i was reading it is that they were twins Mm -hmm. and as soon as i found out that they were twins all of that stuff that i was annoyed with aiden about made sense because i i don't want to diminish losing a family member or a brother or a sibling i don't want to diminish that at all but there was some sort of crazy over over emotionality to it that I couldn't really connect to until I realized, oh, he said they're twins. So it was like missing a limb. It was missing another half because the connection that twins have is is super strong. Not that you can have a strong connection to somebody you're not twins with, but now I got it even more. And he was the big brother, but he wasn't older. He was younger by a couple minutes but he was always very big and strong and his brother was always somebody he had to take care of that's why he's an emt that's why he wants to make the camp into a methadone clinic basically (laughs) which of course i get why i mean spoiler alert they their deception is kind of uh revealed but that i don't think is the reason why they didn't get the camp i think lorraine and paul the owners of the camp were like uh we'd much rather people like not 
be here vomiting into buckets all the time. Like, we really kind of want this to be a family place. Yeah. And I get it, not diminishing drug addiction at all, but it's a pretty dark thing to turn your land over to. So I get why they kind of rejected it. And uh, it did feel like very emotionally driven for him to want to take this and this place that would have been so close to his family and his brother and make it into like a recovery place. Um, yeah. I don't know. It was pretty intense. Yeah, it was very intense. And also seemed like he didn't when, cause when he and Zoe first went out there, it's not like he had a, like a really formulated plan. Mm-hmm. He talks about how he had like misspellings in his um, binder and he didn't really know what he was doing. Yeah. Aiden is not very smart. You don't think so? Uh, well, I don't know if he's not very smart, but I think he is. It takes uh, you can see like it takes a lot for him to learn stuff. Yeah, like like writing and numbers and thing. Not, not not to you know, but I, it it did seem like is it Zoe or Zoe? Isn't it Z O E? Isn't that Zoe? That's Zoe. It's Zoe. Well, because then he calls her Zoe as like a nickname, so I think if it was supposed to be Zoe. He wouldn't have called her. Zoe as a nickname. Zo. Okay. I think Zoe. Okay. So we're calling her Zoe? I'm always wrong with the name, so. I mean, we, yeah, we can call her Zoe. I think we know her like that. Okay. But, but anyway, so she, she had to do a lot of work to help him with the spelling and all this stuff. And things seem to come more easy to her. She's, I think, more intelligent just in general. I'm not saying he's dumb. I'm just saying he's probably, uh, he works a lot harder with things than she had to. Mm-hmm. Even though we find out that she had her hard times, too, that he wasn't even taking into account, which that's what I liked. He learns empathy. He learns that his shit is his shit and it sucks, but everybody has their shit. That's what I like so much about this book is that you reveal same thing with me. I was like, oh, she's a lawyer. She's this. She's that. I just was diminishing her because I felt like, oh, she's got money and all this stuff. And she had a, a huge loss in her life, and she was living in her father's shadow. Like, she did what her father wanted her to do, become a lawyer, and it didn't make her happy. And these two were living for other people, and then they realized that they can live for themselves and each other, which I thought was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Well, and there's a lot about, like, grief and sort of what that does, and I think it's also, like, the long tail of grief, especially for Zoe, because her father died when she was a teenager. And I don't know if they say how old she is now, but I picture her in like late 20s, early 30s. Mm-hmm. Um, they're definitely adults. Yeah. Like they're not early 20s. They're de- I, I feel like they definitely have lived lives, which was great. I also enjoy that. Yeah. Not another like 22 year old. Um, yeah. The long tail of grief, because then it is. Um, it sort of manifests in ways that you don't realize, I think a lot of time. And so it was just interesting. Yeah. Like you said, it's these two people who were constantly trying to atone for somebody who was, is gone, who you don't need to atone for anymore. Like they have, they have gone and now it's time for you to live for yourself. And I think that it can be something that people want to do when somebody passes away to sort of be like, well, how can I, you know, do the thing to make them happy but then it's always a lose because that person is never there to give you that. I'm happy. I'm proud of you. So you're always fighting a losing battle of trying to, to impress a person that isn't there anymore. And ultimately if the person loved you, they would want you to do what's best for you anyway. Um, but no, I love that too. It was good. So do, do we, the one bump I had and I got over it because I, I liked I like this book a lot. Do you think that he would have actually asked her to go along with this harebrained scheme? Yeah. You think it makes sense that he asked somebody he despises to pretend to be his fiance? Because if somebody, if you hate somebody, it's very hard to hide that, or at least for most people. I don't know. So I get how it worked in this book. But for me, there was a little bit of a bump there just because just hire somebody. Yeah, that's a different book then. I know. I know. But I, I know. No, I, I think sort of what you said, I don't think Aiden does a lot of long term planning. Mm-hmm. And I think he's just sort of like he probably was thinking. 
I need to appear more stable. They're going to think that I'm all over the place or they're going to think I'm only doing this out of grief. And then she basically shows up and faints outside of his house. And then he's like, oh, here's a solution. I don't think that he thought through everything. I don't think he thought through like, oh, so now I'm going to have to spend every weekend for six weeks with this woman and all these things. I think he just knew like, well, she seems a little bit like desperate to make me happy or give forgiveness so I can get something out of this side too. Yeah, I guess you're right. It was spur of the moment. He, oh, he yeah. wasn't he wasn't like, well, he didn't have a Craigslist. You know, he wasn't looking on Craigslist when she showed up <laughs> looking for someone to pretend to be a fiance. Yeah, I think it all just came to him in the moment. And he's just sort of like, yeah, let's do it. I So I loved so part of her atonement or her what is it called? Oh, guilt jar. Um, mm-hmm. And just a moment that I really loved was during one of the trips where they're driving to the campground and um Aiden is starting to like sort of have more and more of a crush on her and she took her former assistant who apparently she used to berate constantly. It is like kind of crazy that she was like such a gutter and then got a lot of money and turned into a better person. But That's you, not you, how would it you works. call her a gutter? See? Yeah. Oh my goodness. I've never heard that and I've heard most of them. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> that I'm beeping that out. <laughs> You're turning red. Uh, yeah, I've never heard that term. <laughs> okay. I'm a virgin. You are a virgin. Remember that. To swearing. Well, that kind of swearing. I don't <laughs> think I'm allowed to say that word. <laughs> Those two words together, I can't say. I don't think so either. No. Yeah, it's just best if you don't. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, she is kind of. Like, she was truly, it seems like a wretched person. Yeah, because she yelled at the Starbucks barista. Number one, don't go to Starbucks. Go to a small coffee shop. Sorry, that's just my thing. Nobody okay. should go to Starbucks if there's an alternative. Um, that's just the facts. And uh, yeah, she does seem like a person who was mean to people. And then she made she made this assistant go to a cooking class with her. And Aiden was like. Are you sure she wanted to do that? And then all of a sudden she was like, oh, yeah, that is like a weird balance of power thing. Like she, she, I hope she felt like she should, could say no. Yeah. That was funny. And then so she made cookies and she offers one to Aiden and he ate the whole thing. And he was like, this tastes like soy sauce. This is awful. And he doesn't say that. Though. He doesn't say it, though. He just thinks it. And because he, he's like also a very quiet guy. And then later on, they're like talking, talking, talking. So the whole thing is like so so he basically, like, doesn't stop talking to make Aiden more comfortable with just, like, the noise and the chatter. And that's sort of what he needs because I think he's lived such a quiet life for so long. And then she eats one of the cookies. She's like, this is fucking mm-hmm. disgusting. Why don't you tell me? These are gross. And it's so tossed off. Yeah. Because she's talking about something else. She takes a bite and says, oh, these are awful. What are you talking about? These are awful. <laughs> and then she keeps going, which I really liked. Yeah. And I love that little moment of, I think it showed a lot, too, of. He's like, oh, I'm willing to be inconvenienced or, you know, you could tell that that was them also starting to fall in love. The other cute thing was she because they they would hang out on weekends. Um, and so during the week they would have time to themselves or but it at, towards the end, it started bleeding into, uh, you know, it being an actual relationship. But she buys a T-shirt from Goodwill, like an old T-shirt from the 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 park ground. And it's this like real soft, like almost see through. And he's checking her bra out through it. And I thought it was just very real. Mm-hmm. Like that's a real life thing where he started to become attracted to her and he thought, oh, I can see her bra through this shirt. I mean, this this is going to make this hard, but I'm like actually very psyched about this too. Yeah, <laughs> I, that's those were the things I think their gradual touching and getting close was super realistic and the sex scenes I thought were hot because of their kind of realism, too. It wasn't acrobatic or anything um, big. Uh, I, I was on condom watch and there was a lot of condoms. First time they get together, he runs off to get condoms and they're always talking about. I mean, he takes a condom and puts it on the windowsill in the shower so that he has a condom while he's having sex with her in the shower. So very much about condoms. Yeah. He has to break into the infirmary and there's condoms in there. Which <laughs> he I was broke like, into the infirmary. He was like, he like picked the lock to get condoms. And then he didn't like try to lock up again as he left too, which was funny. I mean, he's horny. The guy's not thinking. I know. As he, soon as he had those condoms in his hand, I'm sure he did. He just like, uh, he should have just leapt through the window. He just like <laughs> shattered the window, just ran right through it. Not even worrying about it. 
He's like all cut up and bleeding. I've got him. I've got him. We can fuck now. We can do it. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I'm losing it was- a lot of blood. <laughs> Hurry up. Hurry up. No, the sex scenes were all really good. I also thought it was... I like... So he she invites him to a party at Kit's house, at her best friend's house. And he ends up coming with his two EMT buddies. Who were a little cartoonish. Yeah, didn't love either of them. No. Those are his only friends, though. Mm-hmm. They were, yeah. They were a little... I, I think that shows that he doesn't have good friends. He has whoever's around. Yeah. And not that they were bad people, but they weren't his type at all. They were kind of a little, yeah, cartoonish, I guess. And... um she they end up talking and then basically like she is walking out of the backyard and she turns around and winks at him and he's like mm, i knew i was going home alone tonight and then it like st- jumps to like now they're having sex during the week too and i was like we didn't we, what and like we didn't even discuss this how did this happen and they're just fine with like now they're basically fully in a relationship mm-hmm. i liked it yeah i thought it was cool and i i liked that he went to to her place when he needed somebody and his his eventual just openness was uh, i think really refreshing um her getting over her guilt about everything and you know kind of seeing this as a way to put away the past i thought was really good too so yeah i mean even though like you were saying the more i think about it yeah she does seem like she was an awful person (laughs) before this but does that matter you know i mean now i mean she's a good person i mean you know, you can you can become a better person and it's better than I'd rather somebody used to be bad and now learned to be good than somebody who always felt the need to be good and never were their true nature ever. But that's the thing, too. I feel like in the present, she just seems like such a good person and she's such a good friend to her friends. And, you know, with Aiden, like he's gruff to her, but she's still trying her best constantly and sort of charms everybody else in the camp. And it's like, doing a really good job of what she's supposed to be doing. And I just felt like that seems to have been such a leap from who she thought that she was before. So then I wonder, like, does she just have impossibly high standards for herself? And like, what is nice? Because it is bizarre. Because if you're the kind of person who's yelling at a coffee man every morning, like you are a awful person, like die in a fire. But then I don't know. It just seemed like such a flip. So I'm like, so maybe was she snippy with him one time? And then it's sort of like, now that's going in her mind too much. And uh, now no, she's she like, was. That was the thing. She was not yelling at him every morning. She mm-hmm. yelled at him once, I think, and felt she was Christ on a cross for the rest of the time she saw him. Oh, okay. The barista. She wasn't like always yelling at this barista. Okay. So then the thing, same thing with the assistant. So it's like, was she really that bad? Or is it just in her mind? She's like, well, I could have been better. I could have been nicer. I could have, you know. Probably. I think she probably had a lot. I mean, of that being in a powerful position, being a boss, being a woman, she was probably very conscious of how she came off because guys can rock around and be gruff and bark orders and, and that's powerful. And, you know, a woman does it. She's a GC. So that's the thing. You can't – her probably – she probably internalized a lot of that just that, that feeling that society gives her where if she says to a barista, hey – you messed up my order or whatever, all of a sudden she's, she's a GC. And then if a guy was like, Hey buddy, you fucked up. It's like, Oh, that guy gets what he wants. So that's the thing. So I don't know if she was necessarily like a horrible person, but I do think her job was stressful and she probably took that out on other people. Right. And I don't think that's right, but I understand it. And also when she was glad handing with all the people at camp, she she's a lawyer. She's a phony. She, you have to be part of, I'm a phony. I'm, I can be very nice to people when I need to be, and I probably despise them, but that's just part of your act as a person. Most likely I do, but that's just part of living in the society. Yeah. And I think as long as you're authentic to your friends and your family and the people you love, and you do try to be good and not impede other people's lives, then that's enough. Yeah. Well, then then that's why I liked also that the way that she and Aiden sort of were comfortable with each other was like a bickering and a banter, which is I feel like is probably not something that she was able to do comfortably. If she was like this uh, spitting out over these pretty small interactions she had to then be able to somebody who she loves be a little bit grumpier and 
poke him and all these things. Like, I understand how that really would be a great part of a relationship. But, like, this is really fun. Because at some stage, somebody overhears them talking to each other and is like, do I need to intervene? Like, what the <laughs> hell does you- it matter with you two? And they're like, what do you mean? We're just talking, you know? So I really enjoyed that part, too. What did you think of his big groveling scene? I mean, I... I, I mean, I think we've seen scenes like that before where people talk about their love and stuff. I, did, I don't know if it was an extreme act of groveling. I don't know. I, it, didn't, it didn't hit me as like extreme, an extreme um, example of groveling. But I do think he definitely, you know, that for Aiden, that was a lot of words. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought, too, because he just shows up at her work and basically is like, I love you. And I'm sorry. And if you never, ever want to see me again, it's okay. But basically. I'm going to be here for you and all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I like, I mean, I like that Aiden was actually talking about his feelings. That was good. Yeah. It was good. Do you like a good grovel? Yeah. I love it. You love groveling. Yeah. That's excellent. <laughs> but what if you don't want somebody to grovel all the time? No, then that gets tiring. Yeah. I don't want anyone to do anything all the time. That it's just exhausting. That's true. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that was great. I kept thinking, how much money do you think she won? That's a great question. I think that, who knows? Because I don't know how much is a lot. I mean, did she win a million dollars? Well. It seemed less than that, right? Because I read in the first book, and Kit, who also won the lottery with her, he was talking about how now she's a millionaire. Okay. So so it was at a minimum $1 million. Yeah, so minimum one million. But when you say you're a millionaire, he wouldn't just have a mil. I don't know. Like, I, it couldn't have been a lot. It would have to be under ten million. I was thinking three to four million. Three to four million. Because that is enough that like you can buy a house cash and do renovations and not stress about it. Because that was what Kit was doing. Um, and that is the sort of thing you can, you can. Uh, quit your high-powered, I'm sure, very highly-paying job and not really stress about it for a while. But it, that isn't so much money that you're like, okay, now I'm just buying mansions and living high in the hog rest of my life. Like That money is money that could go away. Uh, so, but it's still significant enough that you would be like, oh, I have $4 million. Like, I can travel the world. I can go, go back to college in the American education system, which is, I get that would probably much wipe you out. So was it three friends who mm-hmm. won? So let's assume the the jackpot was like twenty mil, and then they split it three ways after tax, right? That's probably three, three mm-hmm. four each, right? That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, if it was a huge jackpot, then that the way she's acting is way different than I would act. Yeah. You know, because if I if I had fifty million dollars, I'm not apologizing to anybody. No, you're going to start some grudges. Yeah. And I have the money to back it up. You do. <laughs> right. So that is my thing. So it has to be enough that she's comfortable but still feeling guilt. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's my thought. So I would say I agree with you. Yeah. Um, yeah, because $50 million is also like significantly changing. And not that – listen, if somebody handed me $4 million right now, that would significantly change my life. But I don't think – yeah, I wouldn't be buying like mansions and moving to Monte Carlo. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kate, if you're listening, just slide into our DMs. Just let, let us know. We won't tell anybody. Just say, how much did they win? What was the, you know, what's the tax bracket? All that stuff. Just give <laughs> us the, the I want, we want the, like, monetary stuff. Yeah. Um, just so we know. We will not share it if you don't want it shared. But we're very curious about the amount that they've won. Mm-hmm. And maybe they don't, maybe Kate doesn't want people to know because then we these assumptions are made and that will... Make you think, oh, she wouldn't act that way. Or if I was, if I had that money, I would be doing this. Like I just did. Right. So maybe not just knowing that she won and it was a good amount of money. We also don't know what the settlement was for uh, Aiden's brother dying, which that would have been a big thing too if we would have known how much that was. So I do think not mentioning the money is a very good play by, by the author. Yeah. Because it just brings up too much stuff. I think it's just, but then it's just something you think about too. It's just like, hmm, how much was it maybe? Yeah. It's fun to think about money. It is. It's fun to think about money in one way and horrible to think about money in another way. <laughs> it's fun to dream about having a lot of money and it's horrific to face the amount of money you have. 
Yes, that is a perfect <laughs> encapsulation of what I was trying to say. Um, yeah. Do you have anything else before we move on? No. Yeah, it was great. I loved it. Yeah, I was very. I. Sarah, I re- yeah, if these were your first romance novels, you really lucked out. You did good ones. Absolutely. I didn't yeah. even mean that pun, but you're welcome. What a good introduction mm-hmm. to romance. Um, would you fuck him? I would fuck Zoe. Definitely. <sighs> Aiden's tough. He's so quiet. He's just, that annoys me. Um, I guess purely on a beefcake level. I don't know, man. I'm harsher on the guys. You know, like, the, I, I don't know. I don't know if I would. I don't know if I would. He, I think he would still have to, it would have to be a couple years after this. He'd have to be more or less stuck up his ass mm-hmm. and pass some stuff. I, I, I wouldn't want to fuck him when he's grieving, you know? Like, that's, that's pretty intense. That's, that's a lot to take on. Yeah. You know? Totally. So, so, so not Aiden, although I can understand why he's, he's attractive. Um, but Zoe, definitely, yeah. I would both. Both. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. I like a strong silent type. I would be fine with Aiden. Yeah. But silence, I mean, he, does like, silence make you actually strong? Melts down. Hmm? Does silence make you strong or does mm-hmm. it give you the appearance of strength? He's also strong. I'm not talking about emotionally. I'm talking about physically. Physically, he seems like he's very hot. Yeah, he's yoked. Yeah. I'm into it. Mm-hmm. Sue me. But his fingers would smell like latex all the time. Because of the gloves, the powder. He's an EMT, yeah. Um, when I was in high school, my job was to be an ear piercer. Uh-huh. And we had the gloves that had the um like the dust inside. It had like something in it to supposedly make it easier to like put them on and take them off. But what it meant is like your hand was then covered in this like white powder. And I remember I would always like end up with handprints on my butt because I would be like wiping my hand. It was always very embarrassing. So that's what I always think of when I see like those gloves. Was this at the mall? Yeah. Were you in one of those kiosks piercing people's ears? No, I was in a store called Icing, which any mid-90s people will remember as an offshoot of Afterthoughts, which was an offshoot of Claire's. Uh, Claire's I recognize, but yeah. I did not know that there were so many spinoffs of this. There was. Were Claire's- these like tax shelters? Is that where like they trying to like funnel money through all these different businesses? Maybe. Claire's was like supposed to be a little bit younger than Afterthoughts was like supposed to be like college and teens. And then icing was supposed to be like prom jewelry was what they were saying. Like it was supposed to be like, like a little bit more. And you would pierce people's ears. Mm-hmm. What, what were your qualifications? Oh, none. Oh, my God. God. That I had done it. Like, that's the thing. You don't need any sort of, like, licensing or anything. It's terrifying to me. <laughs> nobody's not, nobody's qualified for anything. No, and I remember they hadn't trained me how to pierce yet. <laughs> and <laughs> But it was sort of getting annoying. It's a training on the – it's kind of learn on the job situation. <laughs> uh, yeah. You'll know when you do it wrong. It's – and then a guy that I went to high school with was like wandering on the mall and he just came in to say hi. And my manager was like, do you want to pierce him? And then we'll, and then you'll pierce my ears and then we'll call that training. And I was like. Freaking out right now. <laughs> and so I was like, yeah, well, he was into it. He wanted his ears pierced. So I was like, cool. So then he sat down and I pierced him and it was fine. Um, and then this Wendy badass, like she would just. She was just like, yeah, pierce my ear. And then I did it. And then she immediately took it out. And I was like, oh, yeah, 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 you did fine. How many piercings did she have? She, they would always just close up. So, like, she had, like, a normal amount. Um, it was, oh, people used to come in with baby babies. Somebody came in once with a three-day-old baby. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, this is a whole other conversation. This is a whole nother podcast talking about <laughs> piercing babies' ears. But, um. But we could always say no to anybody for any reason. So I was just like, mm, no, thank you. Um, one time, some poor girl's father just dropped her off. And she kept asking me if, there, if it was going to bleed. And I was like, it's, I've never seen blood. I'm like, it's not going to bleed. And she was like, but are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? And I was like, yeah, I'm sure. I'm like, I've done this for a long time. I've been piercing ears. What was a long time? Bled. Oh, like six months. Oh, my God. This poor girl. <laughs> She's asking all the right questions. You know that, right? I mean, she was in the right here. <laughs> And so I pierced one ear and she immediately fell for it and like smacked her head into my chest, fainted cold. Oh. 
So then I was like, oh, my God. I was 17. I didn't know. So I like I just put her on the floor. Because <laughs> she was limp. <laughs> she pulled a Zoe. She, she fainted. She fainted. And so then this lady who was just wandering by was like a nurse. And so she helped. And then she came to. And then the father just like wandered over from the food court. I was like, your daughter just passed out. And he was like, oh, she has an extreme fear of uh, blood. So she'll do that. <laughs> I was like. Why did you leave her alone with me? And why wouldn't you tell me? And then she made me do her other ear. And I'm like, I'm not going to do it if you're going to pass out on me again. And she's like, I won't. I won't. I swear. I swear. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I'm like, okay, but your father has to be here too because I'm not doing this. And then I did. And then she left. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. What a ride. Anyway, so plastic gloves. So we had to wear gloves when we were piercing people's ears. You'll be happy to know. Oh, yes. That's all you need. <laughs> I feel so much better now. What did you think? But there's nothing that can happen. People would come in asking for like their belly buttons and eyebrows. And Infections. Stuff. Yeah. I would be like, mm, we don't do that now. That's like a different level. My friend got an infected tongue piercing. That's disgusting. Uh, tongue piercing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so crazy. All right. What are we? Are we doing Goodreads lists? Yeah. yeah I love the Goodreads list. There's not many because this is a newer you know, book. A newer book. All right. Best enemies to lovers. Yes. Fake love until it's not ro- in romance. Mm-hmm. Career-oriented MC in romance novels you adore. Yes. Well, yeah. yeah I, uh, mean, uh, I wouldn't call them too career-oriented because Aiden is an EMT, and he seems to enjoy it fine, and he seems to be good at it. He doesn't like that there are people just like – remember that aside? Like people were calling in – hoping that he would come because they just had crushes on him well the 80 year old woman wore a new nightgown when she came in when he came in to see her so i yeah. appreciate the game yeah Get, take a shot you never know yeah shoot your shot lady yeah um sightseeing romances with travel vacations and road trips yeah yeah i loved whenever they went out to the camp i was like mm, i want to go out to a camp it'd be fun yeah it was yeah ripped bought a summer bingo 2019 road trip in romance what Summer bingo, what? Let me read it again. No, it's not going to make any more sense the second time you read it. You have to explain. Ripped Bodice Summer Bingo 2019 Road Trip in Romance. Okay, Ripped Bodice the store. Yeah. Summer Bingo. Uh Uh-huh. Explain. Bingo in the summertime. So probably you had like three months to do it. and so Three months to do what? (laughs) So they print out these. I love how you ask. I love how (laughs) you act like I'm insane for needing explanations for these lists because i guarantee you the people who are listening to this are like what did she just say <laughs> summer bingo uh-huh is so does the rip bodice i'm gonna work this out myself yes the rip bodice has uh like a bingo card and you have to read a bunch of different books that are on this card well you have to read books with certain tropes so one of the squares was road trip romance and this would be so this would you qualify. You, you qualify. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Now that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, you got it there yourself. But you can understand why just hearing that cold would be confusing. Um. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you will not <laughs> give an inch, will you? I read it cold and I was fine. I understood. I didn't. You'd been to the Rip Bodice. And you yeah, know that they, I know what summer bingo like. Summer bingo is different. I didn't know Rip Bodice was putting out their own summer bingo cards. I don't know what summer I did not. I've never heard of. I've heard of bingo, but I don't know what summer bingo I, is. Summer bingo is bingo that is done in the summer. That's it. Then it's just bingo. <laughs> then it's just bingo. Yeah, but it's for this. You probably had the. It's three. like calling a, 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 a wedding between two gay people, a gay wedding. It's just a wedding. Yeah. Right. It's just bingo. All right. Thank you. Sorry. I got political. <laughs> <laughs> Deal yeah. with it. Vermont. Oh, uh, Vermont. You know, they're already <laughs> writing letters about that shit. Um, all right. That's it? Yeah. I mean, there wasn't many. Okay. Add it to more lists. All right. I would add it to the list, um, hero, stuffy hero gets unstuffed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love, I love when a guy gets unstuffed. Clayton, do you have any tropes? Oh, of course I do. Um, engagement of convenience. Mm-hmm. Forced proximity. Lawyer, heroine, EMT hero, family tragedy, twins, <laughs> twins, <laughs> grand deception, 
road trip. Grand deception. It's a grand deception. No, yeah, I like it though. Um, uh, road trip, camp love. Those camp my, love. Those are my tropes. I love that. What are your tropes, Aaron? So I did go out last night, so I'm a little bit fuzzy in the brain. So about this it. is this is the best I could do, and I'm sure I left. Moon party with the nuns? Um, no, it was a mermaid party. Of course it was. <laughs> I'm so dumb. I'm so dumb. Sorry. I didn't realize that it was mermaid season. <laughs> Where's my head? You say it was the mermaid parade. It was? Yeah. Uh, I never remember when that thing is. Yeah. You um, went out to it? No, I didn't go out to it, but they had an after party at House of Yes, so I went to the after party. Can I just tell you, so, you know, we've talked about House of Yes on the show before, mm-hmm. and they were sort of being relaxed with the costumes um, aspect of it. Like, you used to have to wear costumes, and now you don't. Every night is themed. Oh, I thought you were going to cough. No. Um, so this was Mermaid, and there was costumes are mandatory, and they sent us, like, three emails, like, don't forget your costumes. Costumes are mandatory. You can do it cheap, but you need to do something. So me and my friend and my friend's boyfriend got out of the car, and we went to, like, line up. And this girl who like was dressed fine, but she was dressed basically like like a short J. Crew shirt and like a little top, like not mermaid at all. And she was arguing with her friend about like being let in. And the guy was like, I can't he's like, Look at you. Costumes are mandatory. Like you didn't even put an effort. Like this is not cool. And then he was like, Look at them and like to me and my friend and my friend's boyfriend, like, they look amazing. They are coming in. I don't even care if they have tickets. You should have looked like them. And we were like, Yeah. That's great. I loved it. It was very vindicating. But then her friend left her, which also made me laugh. She was like, well, I'm going into the party, so keep it moving. That I love this because it's rules being being adhered to, yes. which is so rare. Mm-hmm. And the friend should have left the friend. You don't get a pass. You're not special. Dress like a mermaid like everybody else. Right. Thank you very much. Just put some glitter on your face. There were people who weren't like there were people who went all out for costumes, and then there were people who were who were doing very little. Put some clamshells on your chest and get in there. That's all you need. There was a lady inside selling um, nipple stickers, and I was like, "You should be outside." Mm, that's where the money is, right? Because then somebody would just be like, "Buy two nipple stickers, take off your shirt, put on the stickers, walk in." You can jack up the price. What? Because oh. if you're trying to get admission mm-hmm. with the nipple stickers, then you, you name the price. Name your price. Yeah. That's see, you know, listen, I'm not going to tell somebody how to run their business, but you got to you got to be outside, not inside. When you're inside, you don't need the nipple stickers. When you're outside, you desperately need them. Right. It's only a few feet, but it makes all the difference. It does. Um, yeah. Anyway, I had a lot of fun, but now I'm a little bit fuzzy. And so I was writing down my tropes and I was like. Hmm. Oh, don't worry about it. Who cares? Fake engagement, forced proximity, sex rules. I do love sex rules mm-hmm. where it's like we can only have sex here at this camp. Because you know. They're going to be broken. They're going to be broken. They're made to be broken. Mm-hmm. Great T-shirts. Again, this is a great T-shirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, EMT hero, uh, found family, female friendships, getting busy in a bunk, hotels at camp, grieving. Mm, grieving grieving just really brought it down at the end that's, that's what i okay. like to do for this podcast <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know you talked about chernobyl the other day uh, i know i was i was listening to that for my little qa that i do and i was like why am i such a downer you're not a downer you're allowed to swoon about whatever you want i know but a nuclear crisis it was a yeah it's a story that needed to be told <laughs> i don't know i haven't seen a second of it but what is you swooning this week Oh, well, thank you for asking, Aaron. So what I'm swooning about is a little unorthodox for me because I'm not a person who really watches YouTube videos. I don't really watch YouTube channels, but it takes a big star to make me watch a YouTube channel. Okay. And so what I'm swooning about is a YouTube channel called Jablinski Games, which is a gaming channel run by Jack Black. The actor and comedian from School of Rock uh-huh. and Jumanji. And so it's really kind of funny because he he kind of plays games. So gaming, uh, there's a lot of gaming videos on YouTube. And it's just people talking while they're playing video games. Uh-huh. And so he started this, 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 uh, this channel and 
he doesn't really do that. I mean, rarely. What he does is he hangs out with his kids who are uh, like very young and they like skateboard and do all this fun stuff. And then they go to arcades. But he also plays like really old board games and, and things. And he's kind of subverting the whole gaming aspect of it. Uh, but it's really fun. And it's really funny. And I'm not really usually a fan of actors doing like movie actors doing stuff that isn't movies because mm-hmm. they feel like it diminishes them. But there's something very fun about seeing he's just a funny, fun guy. It's great to see him with his sons just hanging out and being at least, you know, on the surface, a great dad, just hang out with him, having fun, being goofy. They roll their eyes at him. He's he's like one of the funniest guys ever. And they're he's just their dad. So they just yeah. roll their eyes all the time. But I think it's really fun. Uh, it's called Jablinski Games. It's really goofy. It's kind of crude. But if you're into Jack Black, it's uh, a really cool thing to watch. So I would say that's what I'm swooning about this week. It's great. Aaron, uh-huh. what has you swooning this week? Well, I don't think this will come as a surprise to you because I did text you about this this week. <laughs> you just said in recognition. Um, and it is a book that I read. This weekend called Daisy Jones and the Six by Taylor Jenkins Reid. And I am legitimately obsessed with it. I've been telling everyone I know to read it. And I mean, this book is also everywhere. So it seems like just like I'm gonna, I'm recommending one of the most popular books in the country right now. It's Reese Withers. It's part of Reese Witherspoon's book club. Yes. And she also optioned it. And they are writing a series, uh, like a limited television series, which I am very excited and nervous for. To the point where I was like... Do I need to tweet at them and tell them the parts that I'm nervous about them fucking up? But no, I won't because that's like crazy. Mm-hmm. Who would do that? Anyway, it is ba- an oral history of a fictional rock band. And so it's all these different people telling the story of them, the band coming together, their rise. And then mysteriously one night, the band broke up and nobody knows why. The breakup happened. And so you're basically reading to find out why. A lot of it is focused around songwriting and creating this one like massive album that they end up creating. And it is so interesting and such an interesting look to the creative process. Like we're both writers. We write different sort of things. But songwriting has always seemed so elusive to me. And so watching that process was so fascinating. And I just love, because it also is a lot about memory and the things that we remember and how we remember things and how looking back we remember things differently maybe than they really happened. Because what ends up happening, because she's such like a genius in the way that she set it up, is it's people telling their story but in like two paragraphs, two people can contra- contradict each other of like, she was wearing this. No, she was wearing this. I said this. I said that. Uh, he came at me with a ton of aggression. I asked him politely. And it's so you realize sort of how funny memory is. Um, and then there's a big part of the book that I just have a lot of questions about what um, maybe really happened. Because you do find out what happened, but I do feel like there is more of what happened. Anyway, I devoured this book in two days. I absolutely loved it. It is so well done. It's so beautiful. Something else that I found really funny about that is that you can tell, because then, of course, I looked at Taylor Jenkins read like all of her social media and everything, because I'm like, uh, I'm obsessed with this woman now. Like, she's amazing. And she reads romance novels because she talks about it. And there were certain little things in the book that I was like, huh. She's a romance reader, I can tell, because she talks at one stage about, like, there's a lot about the color of one character's eyes. There's another part where um, one character talks to another character is, is about how big he was and how much she loved that. And I was like, huh, this is kind of <laughs> romancy in a really great way. It's not a romance novel, but um, it's really, like, almost like a perfect book. I've reread it and then I go back and I just read little portions every once in a while whenever I want to so Clayton also read it he said it was um okay (laughs) yes yeah I did like it a lot I just had this is your swoon I'm not gonna don't don't spit on my swoon I'm not gonna spit on your swoon (laughs) would never spit on your swoon uh anyway so Taylor Jones and the Six pick it up also apparently the audiobook is read by a bunch of different actors including Pablo Schreider 
Shriver and Benjamin Bratt. So I also want to listen to that because I think that would be a really cool experience. Who's too. the first person? Pablo Shriver. Okay. Who's in Orange is the New Black. Oh, he was in Den of Thieves as well. Mm, there you go. Uh, so, yeah. So I loved it. If you um, want a break from romance or just want to read a really, really excellent book, do that one. Awesome. And let us know what you think about it. Let me know what you think about it. I So far, no one in my life has read it other than Clayton, I just realized. And so I will have this discussion with him after we stop. <laughs> because there is like a point that I really want to talk to people about and why I'm like, I literally texted my friend that I'm going out to L.A. and visiting her in three weeks. And I was like, hey, girl, I'm going to need you to read this book because I am going to talk to you about it a lot. <laughs> Are you so bummed that I did not say, oh, my God, I'm obsessed, too. We need to talk about it. Yeah. It kind of fell with a thud. You did really disappointed me. <laughs> I did. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Let's wrap it up. Uh, wrap like, it up. Wrap like it up. Aiden loved to do. Listen, he cared about her sexual health. I, it was important. There was that scene where she, like, put it on him and said this felt powerful to her to have that control. It was very sexy. It was very I, I Now I get it. I was in the bunk. I, yeah, I get it. She's like. That's the thing. You, when you do consent, it's, it is sexy. Yes. I mean, even though that wasn't consent, but that was just sort of like safety no, measures. It's, but. Sa- it's, it's saying I respect you and your body. Yeah. Um, all right. So if you have any thoughts, you want to request anything, we thought you did something wrong or we were mean to your state accidentally. I mean, unless you're from Vermont because you've earned it. Um, <laughs> you can always just uh, email us at learningthetropespodcast at gmail.com. Our Twitter is at learning tropes and our Instagram is at learning the tropes. Um, and then so next week we're doing our teaser episode for July. So we'll let you know everything we're reading in July. So you can go ahead and put those library holds on or pick them up. Um, but if you want to know sooner, you can always join the Facebook group, group, the learning, the tropes troop, and we will always announce the books there early to give everybody like a little something, something special insider information. Yeah. So you can always join us there if that's something that you would be interested in. Um, but other than that, have a great weekend, everybody or week, and we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.